Welcome to this episode of the Pioneering Today podcast, which is episode number 154. My name is Melissa K. Norris. I'm your host, and this is where we teach families to create the garden, pantry, kitchen, and life you want for your family and homestead. Today's episode is a special one because I'm bringing on a couple of guests, but also not just the guests because they are awesome, but the topic, which is what to look for when purchasing a homestead. But even if you're not in the position, you're like, I'm not looking to purchase a homestead. Either we're not there yet, that's something that we're going to be doing in the future, or I'm already on my homestead. I think that there's some really important things that you're going to gain by listening to this episode anyways, but especially if you plan on, if you're not on your forever homestead yet, and you plan on moving and finding one later, then you're really going to gain some knowledge from this. But really what I want to hone in on, no matter where you're at on the path, if you're looking for a homestead or not, is how to recognize the signs that you need to make a change in your life. Now, in Ryan and Hillary's example, they recognized that it was time for them to make a move and a really big move based on the way that they were feeling and how they knew, okay, this is time to do it. So for some of you who are listening in, it might not be where you're making that physical location change, but it may be that you are having some of these signs or some of those feelings and it's time to recognize and then act that it means you need to make some changes in your life and in your homestead, not location-wise, but just on what you're doing and where you're focusing your time and your energy and how you're doing it and how it's making you feel. Because a lot of times we get going on autopilot or it's just the way that life is And we spend way too long in that place without realizing that we need to make the change and we need to do it now. And as always, you can catch all of the show notes because every single episode that I do, we have a full written out blog post. So you can go and read that if you want. And of course, getting the links. So anytime we mention resources or different things like that, you can go back and get those. So how to get those is to go for this episode, melissaknorris.com forward slash 154, because this is episode number 154. Okay, guys. So I am so excited to have on today's podcast episode, I have two guests, which if you joined us for the Modern Homesteading Summit back in June of 2018, which at the time of this recording was just a couple months ago, then you are familiar with Ryan and Dr. Hillary Lampers. And Dr. Hillary was on one of our previous episodes talking about sugar and your diet and ancestral eating, which was fabulous. And in today's show notes, I will have links to previous episodes and to Dr. Hillary and Ryan's podcast, which is fabulous. But I'm excited to have them on the Pioneering Today podcast today because I often get asked for people who are looking for their homestead property or they're looking to move and they're wanting to purchase and go somewhere that they can be more self-sufficient for advice on the top things to look for. How do you analyze? How do you make the decision on where you're moving? And for those of you who are longtime listeners of the podcast, I have lived on the same 
road my entire life, which I'm not going to give you my years, but let's just say it is multiple decades, okay? So I don't really have the personal expertise. I mean, I can tell you the things that I would look for, but Ryan and Hillary are getting ready to make the move. They have been 20 years in the same spot. I'm actually in their kitchen right now as we're recording this, and they are moving to another state. So can you guys kind of walk me through why you're deciding to make this move now and what priorities you have when you're looking to make the move, not only location, because you guys are moving out of state, but also when you purchase that homesteading property, the key things that really matter to you and that you guys think are most important. You want me to tackle this one, Hill? (laughs) Yeah. I think we've both got, actually, we've kind of got maybe different ideas in a way, but we're moving to Montana. We're moving to Bozeman, Montana, which like you, we've been on the same piece of property for 20 years. And prior to that, 20 years, not too far down the road, half hour from here. So I've been in this climate my entire life. So growing in this climate is easy. It makes you look better than you probably are. At least that's what I think. The weather's real conducive to growing around here. You get plenty of moisture, really fertile soil. So we're moving to Bozeman for a lot of different reasons. And I think we could talk about that. But one of the things that we are definitely going to be looking for over there is we got to have our garden spot. One of the biggest drawbacks, one of the saddest things I think from leaving this piece of property to going over there is my garden. It goes away. Like I got this big old hot house here and I've used it forever and it's provided us so much food. And then going over there, we're starting from scratch. So in a way, I'm looking forward to that challenge because it's going to be a whole new set of rules as far as trying to work this whole new piece of land that's possibly never had a garden on it before, probably never had any amendments to the soil or anything. So we're going to be going over there looking for a chunk of land. We don't need a real big piece of land. We've done everything here on a half an acre. And our garden is not very big, but it provides our little family of four with a ton of food, more than ample food for what we need. So we don't need a real big chunk of land, although I would prefer a big chunk of land. I think I'd like to get about five acres at least, but I think my wife would settle for one. Yeah, I think the property thing is that kind of a challenge because you always dream about having more property. Right. But when you see how much work it is to, like he said, we have a half acre and we don't really even use all of this half acre like we could be. The amount of work that goes into just the garden and we don't currently have animals like you do. You know, we have chickens and ducks, which I would consider fairly easy animals. They don't take a whole lot of care and feed them and water them and it's just a different thing. But I feel like the older I get, I just notice that sometimes those bigger responsibilities become a little bit more overwhelming. So to me, an acre to five acres would be plenty, just because with young children still and at their activities and me having to work, it's kind of hard to have too much space. And yeah, Montana a, has much higher property taxes than we do here. So I don't know. Maybe. Even a small garden. I mean, even mine here, like I said, it provides us plenty, but yeah. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time invested in it. And I love doing that. I think I'd still like to grow it a little bigger, be able to grow a few more different things and spend more time canning and processing food in the fall. But also not just the size of the property. I think, like I said, we don't need that big of a chunk, but finding a piece of land in Bozeman, it's kind of a mountain state, mountain town. And obviously, we're going to need some full sun and we can't get too high up on the hill. I'd prefer to be down in the valley somewhere closer to water. Water access is going to be a big priority for us. Definitely can't be somewhere. We're just not able to get the water that we need and dig a well and all that. So 
fortunately for us, we're not in a big hurry. We're moving away from here. We're going over there and we're going to have some time. We're going to be renting for a little bit while we seek out that perfect piece. So we're not just in a big rush to go over and just like snatch up the cheapest piece that we can find. We obviously do our research and figure out if it's the right piece for us because a big part of me moving is a change of lifestyle. A little bit less hectic, a little less rat race. I mean, by far over there than it is here, less traffic and all that. And I want to do a lot more as far as processing food. And I hunt a lot. So we don't do the animals. I fill my freezers with wild game. But then as far as the gardening part, I want to do even more than I've done here and can more and process more and dehydrate more and everything. So that's going to be a major focus for me. So obviously a major importance is finding that perfect piece. And it's going to be a challenge. It may not be easy. It may take us some time, but fortunately we have the time to kind of seek that piece out. Yeah. I think some key things too that I heard from both of you, which I think is really smart, is you're looking at not just what is going to be ideal for us right now, like these next five years, because you're kind of looking at it as your forever property. And that's what a lot of people are. They're looking for their forever homestead, but you're really looking at it too, like as we age, are we going to be able to continue this or are we going to need to make modifications or is this going to suit us? Because like my husband and I, we have almost 15 acres and I feel like we're fairly young. That's kind of relative. The more you age, the younger you feel that age becomes. (laughs) I remember when I was like 18, 30, it was really old. And now I'm like, oh, no, 30, you're just starting. (laughs) So I think that's really important too, to really look at it as not just where you are here, but how are you going to be able to age with this property and, you know, retirement age and just all those things that happen. And to take your time. That is so key. But the other thing is you're looking at it as from your gardening and your agriculture and the production of it is more important. And especially the water here, we live in Skagit County in Washington state, the Pacific Northwest. And there's a huge deal with water rights and Washington state as a whole, but specifically the county that we live in. So right now, if you purchase property that does not have an existing well, you cannot get a permit, you cannot build, you don't have water. So I think water is definitely key, but also making sure that it's conducive, that piece of property, like you said, altitude and temperature, just to growing that it's got some Southern exposure for full sun, especially here in the more Northern or the colder climates, you know, that you've got that good exposure for at least some Southern or Eastern exposure for during the summer months. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I know Montana water rights are, you know, similar to here. They're, they're of utmost importance. There's battles going on throughout the state all the time, and there are probably always will. Yeah. But that is one of the, obviously, the biggest keys to it is the water rights for My sure. My mom's lived there a long time. I mean, I grew up there, and she's lived in the same house since I was a teenager, and she's on a well. I grew up on wells. We always had wells. And whenever I talk about, oh, a property, you know, finding a property that we'd build on, like my mom's very first thing she always says is, okay, what's the water situation? Because she lives like with the well. And this year they had massive flooding over there in Idaho and Montana. And literally she has a spring under her house that's normally literally like a tiny little spring. And she had water flowing like a river under her house where she was seriously afraid like her whole house was going to flood. And she's not anywhere near a floodplain. I mean, she's at the base of a mountain. They have to like pump the water out from that spring from underneath. Yeah. And, but the majority of the time that I've known her to live there, you know, you can't leave the water running. If you forget, like if you leave the hose on, sometimes like we do here, you'll dry your well up, right? Oh. So there's always these concerns about making sure you're paying attention to what you're doing with the water because her well could easily dry up if you're not paying attention. This year it was a little bit different, but that's always the first question. And we've looked at the areas we'd love to live in, in the mountains, in these 
beautiful places that may be for sale. But when you look at the altitude where it is, like my mom says, can you get a well there? Is there water there? Those, again, are really important questions that living here in the Pacific Northwest, we got water just like we're trying to give water away, I feel like, in the wintertime and other times of the year. So I think that is depending on your climate and obviously where we're going, that would be the first big question. And with gardening and irrigation and these kinds of things, you do need water for those things to work. But that yeah, seems to be the number one as question. As much as I like, I've always had this dream of being up on a mountain somewhere, Bozeman Mountains all around that town. But over there, I know we go and visit November, December, January, and a couple hundred feet of elevation and there's snow and it's really tough access. Whereas down in the valley, you know, it's a lot, a lot better. So being able to spend some time over there throughout the winter, we'll kind of have to get a lot better view of the lowlands, like where is going to be that perfect spot where we don't have to really struggle to get up onto our piece of property. We got to put a road in or whatever. That could be a major concern. And when I was a child there, it was kind of like an unknown place. And what was happening was California was having a boom kind of like Seattle and, you know, Northern California is now and everybody's trying to get out because people are moving in here like crazy, but the people that can are trying to get out because it's just so hectic. But back then it was like California was having this boom. So Californians were moving there, but they never dealt Didn't with- did Brad Pitt have something to do with that? Yeah, because they filmed like a river runs through it in the air. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I remember he, that movie. I think and, Montana's hated- And what Pitt. was the other Brad Pitt movie? Legend of the Fall. Legend of the Fall was in Paradise Valley. So that was like the area that I grew up in. Okay. And darn that. No, but (laughs) but what happened is there was all this property because it wasn't built up yet. And Californians were coming in with a lot of money and they'd sold their properties in California with a lot of money. Oh, and it's summertime and there's this beautiful property up in Bridger Canyon or somewhere like that. I'm gonna build a house. They have a road built in. And the locals are telling them, like, you're going to have to flag this road in the winter. There's no way. You're going to have to take a snowmobile or you're going to have to put a snowplow on your truck. And, oh, no, no, we'll be fine. And it was either like a water or well issue that they started having. Or in the winter, they literally were having to snowmobile to their house. And so what you saw is a bunch of people come in and build a bunch of places and then realize, whoa, we don't really want to live in this. This is way too harsh winter. And so a lot of those places were abandoned or sold. And it's changed a lot now because the infrastructure has changed and the more people that move in, the more the economy will demand that those roads are made and those kinds of things happen. So there's more places like that, but it's still an issue. And if you want to grow food, living up in that climate, it can be even hard because you can be getting frost into June, right? Yeah, that's that's a short (laughs) growing season. Or your frost start early September or something. Yeah, every year it seems like now you hear of a snowstorm in June or mid we to late September. We used to have them all the time. We Montana. had snow on July 4th one year, I remember, at the oh fireworks show. Wow. I think it's getting less than it used to be. I feel like we had a lot colder winters back then and stuff, but it still happens. And for us, because we love growing food, that's a big thing. Greenhouses will probably be more of an option. Like here we have one, but... Yeah, I'm, I honestly, Melissa, I'm so looking forward to the challenge of it because I know it's going to be a struggle. I know there's going to be some probably massive failures in the first few years trying to get the garden going and get it to where it's safe and I don't freeze it or burn it up or whatever. So I've got all these ideas in my head on how I see it going, but obviously it's going to change when we're there and boots on the ground. So it'll be fun just playing around. And I mentioned to you before this podcast, digging down and putting an underground greenhouse in and trying to utilize the earth for basically protection from the hot and the cold. Just so many different ideas running through my head. It's going to be fun. I think what's really key though is is you're looking at it not with a romanticized 
version of we're moving, we're going to get out of the rat race, we're going to grow all of our own food. I mean, that is your goal, but you're looking at it like it's going to be a challenge. These are ways that we need to come up with to combat it. And you're being very realistic instead of idealistic about it. And I think that that mindset is so important with any aspect of homesteading, whether or not you're looking for a new property or you're moving to a new climate or whatever, I think it will serve you well throughout it. So I think you guys are definitely having that right thing. Like, hey, it's probably going to take us a few years to get this dialed in and to change things. And that's okay. Yeah. And it's funny because we'll be parked out here in the garden in the morning with my daughter. And I was just telling Paley the other day, I was like, as she's eating a bunch of peas and it's like, you know, we may not have a garden for a couple of years. We're going to be trying to plow it, get it ready. And we may not have carrots next year. So she was like, really? Because she's always had it. It's, yeah. just, it's always been there. But yeah, it'll definitely be a big jump and big change from, from what we've been accustomed to. But I think that's going to be one of the funnest things is starting from scratch and just building it up and adjusting as we go and figuring it out. Yeah. So if you don't mind my asking, and you guys can obviously decide how much detail you want to go into, but kind of where were you were like, okay, we want to make this shift. We're going to make this change. And you said one of your main reasons is you want to have more peace and more simplistic, get out of kind of the rat race. So where it kind of were you like, okay, we're ready to make this move. And what made you decide that Montana was it? Was it because Hillary, you'd lived there as a child or you'd have lots of opportunity to go there and visit, but kind of explain to me a little bit about that decision-making process. So yeah, I've always loved Idaho and Montana. I get every fall, I get to go over there and I get to hunt deer and elk and whatnot. I always love it. And Hill has family in Bozeman. So we'll go over there and we'll spend some time and maybe a week or so, and then we come back. And as we get closer to the coast here, you just kind of feel that buzz. Like you get up and over the pass and it's just a faster, like more energized buzz and you hit traffic. And every year we're like, man, while we're over there, we're always looking for places. And we just love the country so much. It's, it's like, I almost don't feel like I fit in over here anymore. Like I used to when I was a kid, but over there, I feel like that's where I should be. It's more laid back. There's a lot of outdoor activities. Everybody loves being outside. I mean, you got sun 300 days a year. 20 um, minutes from the ski hill. You got skiing, really good fly fishing and outdoor activities, the hunting, which I'm big, big fan of. So it's just a natural fit for our family. We've got two daughters and we really like that town specifically. They've got really good schools and everything. So we've always homeschooled and our oldest daughter decided that she wants to try public school. And we don't have the best public system here in this little town of Granite Falls where we're at. So, and over there, they really have a, a really good setup and a lot more comfortable doing that. And it just feels like this is the right time to do it for us. Bozeman supplies a lot of opportunity now too that it, it didn't. When I moved away from there 26 years ago, it was just a small college town. And there wasn't, I guess for a teenager who had big hopes and dreams, there wasn't really much for me to do there. And that's one of the main reasons that I left and came to Seattle because in the early 90s, Seattle was the place to be. And I just ended up going to school, meeting Ryan, staying here. But I've always considered that place my home. It's funny having lived in Washington longer than I lived in Montana, but I always consider it home when I go there. There's just something about it. Now, because people have moved in there, there's much more culture there. There's art, there's theater, there's a lot of activities like my daughters can do that weren't necessarily there when I was a kid. I think that there's a lot of young families that have moved there. There's like a community there that is broader and fuller than maybe when I was younger. And my mother's there, which means we have help with our children, which is for me, and I know sometimes for, it just depends on the relationship. Like we've lived here with Ryan's family for 20 years and he runs a business with them. They've been a huge help to us. So our children have been exposed to that side of the family. But for me to make that move, because I know Ryan's wanted to move and I have as well, but 
Ryan's always wanted to migrate that way when he made the decision. I kind of put my foot down as to where we were going to live over there because I need help and my mother's there. So he has a lot of other places in Montana he'd probably love to live. And we've had this conversation many times that's maybe even more remote or I don't know, you know, places he loves. But I was like, listen, he is gone a lot and my kids do need a grandparent around and I need help. And so it just fortunately for us, we have that help in Bozeman. And Bozeman also has a great airport now, has an international airport, so I can fly back to Washington to work. It just makes it easier than 25 years ago. There was no direct flight to anywhere but like Salt Lake and just a different thing. So now I feel like it has a lot of opportunity, but it's still small and it still has space. And like I said, it's home, but that's definitely why we picked that place is mainly because we have the support of just some family to help us make the transition because we couldn't do that without that. That would be really hard for us to do. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting to hear each of you having different aspects as to why you picked it, but you both took into consideration those things. And I think it's really good because I think it brings up two points because a lot of times we're looking at, like I said, kind of that ideal romanticized homestead because most people who want a homestead are self-sufficient or looking to be not necessarily off-grid without electricity, but way out of the rat race, way up mm-hmm. you know, in the hills, privacy and all of that. But it's also true, you were looking at too for the hunting, which I have to say the hunting in Washington State on the west side of the mountains, at least in the area where we live, is not ideal. The yeah. game is just not here, even though where we live is even more rural than where you, you guys are really at. We're rural. really rural. But the game is just not there. Most people who hunt and want to... I mean, you're never guaranteed that you're going to get something, but most people travel to the other side of the mountains. They go to the Eastern Washington for the hunting or even get out of state tags and go to Idaho and Montana. Absolutely. And so I love that you're looking at it from that aspect, like, okay, I can feed my family. I have a better shot at fishing and everything like that. But I think, Hillary, it's really important too, because most people are still going to need to have some of that infrastructure. I mean, if you're a homesteader, a lot less than modern society, but you do need to look at it, especially if you've got young kids things for them to be able to do. But even you, if you have your homestead is not your sole income, which for most people, especially when you're buying a new homestead or you're getting established somewhere else, you're not going to have that where you would at an established Mm -hmm. place. And so you guys are looking at it from two different angles and you found a place that provides both that. So I think that's really important when you are looking to move somewhere or buy a homestead property that you're not looking just at that that ideal part of the property, like, okay, there's enough acreage here, the gardening zone, da, da, da. But look at the surrounding things too. I think that's really a key point that you brought yeah, up. Yeah. And we've never made money off of our property here. We do all this for ourselves. We give food away. I mean, we don't sell anything. I have like, I don't know how many chicken eggs I have in there right now, but probably like 70. I probably should be selling them. I look at all, how am I going to eat all these? I'm giving away to like everyone who comes up with a roofer. That's when you take eggs. But we've never actually made money off of our property. We just do it because... Ryan, especially, that's just his personality. He's trying to figure things out and do this. And, you know, like growing the perfect tomato, that takes time. And he's got the patience to do that. My dream would really be to get a piece of property that can provide these things. If there was a chance to make money off of it, that would be great. I think for us, it's just brought in an extra element of stress, meaning he's had a job, I have a job, not really jobs we can just quit per se and go homestead our property. And maybe a bit of laziness, like, why would I just try to sell these eggs for five bucks? You know what I mean? And because we have other jobs. But I think if we had a place that 
we had the idea of offering that, you know, really what I would love to do is provide an educational place. Ryan definitely needs like a man house, like a man cave building. I don't know. He's got so much stuff that he's interested in. But I would just even the vision of having like a barn and a place where you could have gatherings and retreats and bring people in and teach them gardening, basic things that this movement is only going to get bigger. Because a lot of younger people, young couples, young families are realizing like, it's not that fun to live in a tiny little neighborhood with no yard and your neighbor like two feet away from you. And in the Truman Show, we feel like a lot of people are changing and, and younger and younger. We get so many messages from young couples who are just starting a garden and doing this. And that's so cool. And so for me, it would be great to have a place that we could have community, we could help, we could have retreats, we could have educational things to serve maybe that way instead of like a homestead that makes us money off of our food products, but like a homestead that made us money off education. Yeah. And I would argue you might not have made money where you're actually selling stuff, but you have oh, we saved, saved money. <laughs> and that can be sometimes bigger than actually making money. Like you're going to save more by doing this than you ever would monetarily making necessarily to sell it. Yes. So, yeah, I have to say, I just kind of hit me. So I'm only going to be in here two more weeks. And my girls and I are headed because the girls start school, which we have been homeschooling. And so that's a new thing for us as well, right? There's like a schedule now. So we have to be there at that time. And I'm leaving here and it kind of hit me last night. I was in the greenhouse picking tomatoes and stuff. And I thought, wow, this is like, I only got two weeks left here. We've been here 20 years. And I mean, all those eggs I complain about in the fridge, I text Ryan, what are we doing with the chickens? Right? All these little things that are just kind of part of our life that we don't think about. And he's like, well, I'm going to have to sell them or whatever. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to buy eggs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to have to buy eggs. I'm going to have to buy produce for now. Right? Because he said, like he said, we're making a transition. We're not yeah. walking into a beautiful homestead with a garden. Like somebody who bought our house right now would walk into Right. Basically. It's just, there's going to be that transition, but it's just starting to hit me of, you kind of take it for granted yeah, in a way where you're just used to having this time of year, at least the, the veggies and that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a big transition to not have that because we've been so used to it. Yeah. I am going to absolutely despise having to go to a grocery store and buy greens. Yeah. For a while, hopefully not for very long, but for a little while, we're actually going to be purchasing greens and things like that. Yeah, we'll go to the farmer's markets and we'll get them local. And Bozeman's great now because there's lots of CSA now and these small family farms popping up. My mom was telling me about all the new ones and people are going there and they're doing gardening and they're making a living off it and they're farming. So that's yeah, great. That's one thing. Her mom, Marcia, she talked to me about a little bit. There's a lot of people there now. It's kind of like there's a lot of cool kids in Bozeman these mm -hmm. days, a lot of cool outdoor companies and whatnot. And there are a lot of people doing the CSA things. And she mentioned a lot of them are buying up some properties in the lower basin. They're doing that. They're growing a lot of food and I'm going to be knocking on their doorstep. I want to figure out how they're doing it, what their little tricks are. And I just want to be a sponge and, and figure that out for a while until we get our place. But it'll be interesting just to see the differences because again, I know here we're so spoiled with the easy access to water. We're just spoiled with the weather and the mild conditions. Over there, we're going to have drastic hot. We're going to have drastic cold and it could come at any point. We're not going to have that early April planting like we do here. It may not be till June that we start planting over there unless we can and get we'll some have to artificial have deer heat fences, in my hot house. I think. 
here you know yeah. our yard we're lucky because we're fully fenced we don't have any predators here in our yard and my mom's like i'm like mom we should put a garden she's like yeah that'll be gone you're gonna have to build a deer fence and you're yeah. gonna have to you know she's gardened at her place but it's totally different deal she does flowers mainly now because she's older and ryan's like flowers they're just useless i don't get flowers i don't get flowers well because I... the deer probably aren't and the rabbits and all the other things aren't gonna eat all your flowers well guys i'm so excited to hear about your venture and i know you're gonna be learning so much and even though you're gonna be states away from me now we'll still have to connect and have some follow-up podcasts and I know you guys are active on social media. So I know on Instagram and we'll have in the show notes, guys, as always, you can go and we'll have links so you can check out Ryan and Hillary's adventures. And Ryan is a hunter. So I'm not a hunter. My husband is getting into hunting. So Ryan is my kind of go-to person if you're looking into getting into harvesting wild game and that type of thing. So yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. And I wish you the best of luck over there. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation just as much as I did. Now, normally at this time of the podcast, we would have our verse of the week, but I'm going to do things just a little bit differently. And that's because last night at the time of this recording, which I'm actually recording this on August 24th, and it's going to go live the same day, the intro and outro, last night at our local theater, we had a drama and dessert. So a lot of different creator performers and authors all met at the theater and we put on a show and I did a reading from my book, Handmade. And I wanted to share that with you, especially when we look at it, if you are in that place where you are like, okay, I am needing to make a change or I'm really feeling that something needs to change and you feel like you're in that stuck waiting period then this, my friends, is for you. Like I said, I'm sharing this from my book, Handmade, The Modern Guide to Made from Scratch Living. And this is from chapter two, which chapter two is titled Simmer. As months slid into years, the dream of becoming a real writer simmered in my heart. I kept writing, stealing time in the evenings after work and after my husband went to bed. After I had my first child, I'd slip in a few sentences during nap time or on my lunch break at work. 10 years after I'd first started writing with the goal of publication, I attended yet another writer's conference, but this time, this time, a literary agent liked my sample chapters enough to ask for the entire manuscript. I mailed it off to her, all my hopes and dreams for more than a decade tied into that thick envelope and ink on paper. I didn't fret over checking the mailbox each day like before. It would take longer. She had the entire book to read. Late August rolled around when the grasses in the pasture reached tall, holding their heads of seed high with pride toward the setting sun. Golden sunlight bathes the valley and seems to catch on the mountain ridge above our home, holding on for just a few more moments before letting twilight take the stage. It was in this moment when the sun was suspended that I opened our mailbox. There was my self-addressed stamped envelope from the literary agent. Like the sun holding on to daylight right before dusk, I held the envelope for just a few more moments before opening it. As I entered our driveway, my tennis shoes slowed on the gravel. The letter crinkled in my hands. Your writing isn't good enough for publication. Tears blurred the green of the trees and hope bolted into the approaching dusk. The words were spelled out before me in literal black and white. 
What I'd always feared deep down was true. My writing wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough. Without words, I fell into my husband's arms and cried. My dreams of being a real writer fled in my tears. As I dried my face, he said, you know, if this is upsetting you so much, maybe you shouldn't do it anymore. And I agreed. The roller coaster of hoping and being let down was too much. The dream I'd held on to since I was eight years old sank. My fingers didn't type a single story for more than two years. I quit our writing group. But you see, God isn't confined to our feelings. He doesn't work like we'd expect and often not even when we want him to. He allows us to see his plan when he knows we're ready and not a minute before. Even though I'd turned off the heat on my dream of being a writer, thought the dream was dead and over, God had different plans. In the corner of the living room, lamplight stretched over my Bible, he chose to show me his plan. Despite the loss of my first pregnancy and the struggle to conceive, two children slumbered peacefully in my home. Both my husband and I had jobs. God had blessed us and I knew it. So why did I have this restless feeling deep down in my soul? Why wasn't I content with the gifts I had been given? Like that first bubble when water begins to boil, my long sleeping dream rose. A writer. God, you gave me this desire to be a writer, but if it's not your plan for my life, please take it away. Show me what you would have me do, not what I want to do, and let me be content with that. When we surrender to God, he can do things beyond our current wants or expectations. There are two things I know to be true. First, if you're walking in God's plan for your life, the devil is going to fight you. Second, no matter what the enemy tosses at you, If you give it to God, he will turn it into a blessing. I no longer see those years I stopped writing as a failure or a setback to where I should be. Instead, I see them as a time God was using to evaporate all the things in me that weren't needed, a refining period. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 1 Peter 1, 7. I share that with you because I was stuck in that place where I knew something wasn't right, that something was missing. Like I said, that discontentment. And yours is going to probably look vastly different from mine. Though if it is for writing, the world always can use good books and stories. But my point is, if you're feeling those feelings of discontentment, is to give it over to the Lord and to surrender it. And then begin looking for his hand and his leading on the best way for you to go about making those changes so that you no longer feel that way. So if you enjoyed this episode of the Pioneering Today podcast, I am so glad that you did. And I can't wait to have you back here with me again. And I would encourage you to, one, subscribe to the podcast so it shows up every time a new episode goes live. And also, if you enjoyed that reading and making things from scratch and handmade, 
then I encourage you to check out the book that I read from. And you can go to handmadethebook.com. There's over 100 recipes included in the book. But it's more than just a cookbook. It's more than just tutorials on teaching you how to make handmade soap and herbal remedies and fermenting. It also gives stories of hardships and then inspiration that we can apply to our own lives. I don't know about you, but I always can use encouragement and inspiration. I think that's what the world needs more of. So thank you so much for joining me and I can't wait to be back here with you next time.